At this time, each and every Erev Shabbos, we turn to Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Mayor. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayetze. Parshas Vayetze is a long parsha of 148 psukim. And the first thing that's especially distinctive about it is that it is stuma. Stuma means that from the very beginning till the end, there's not a single break in the text, meaning that as we go usually in most every other parsha in the Torah, from one idea to the next, there's a new paragraph, what we'd call either a psucha or a stuma. Either the rest of the line is open, or there's a pause of several letters, and the line continues, but it's clearly a new theme. Here, in this parsha of Vayetze, there are many different themes as we go from one part to the next in the parsha, yet not a single break in the quote text. And why? I'm just going to suggest one possibility, and that is that the Torah itself reflects often time the mood as to what's happening within the Torah reading. And so, for example, if a sofer were to write the Shira, Oz Yashir Moshe, the song that the Jewish people broke into after they successfully crossed the Yamsuf. If he, the Sofer, were to write every word, but he were to write it as prose and not as poetry, not Oriach Agabe Leveno, then the Halacha says, please, respectfully, take that Sefer, put it back in the Oran Kodesh, take out another one, fix it. Every word is there. But you're missing the joy itself, the excitement itself from the Torah. And here, just the opposite. At this point in Jewish history, the entire Jewish nation consists of three individuals. Yitzchak, Rivka, and Yaakov. And therefore, when one-third of the world Jewish population is forced to go into Golos, as Yaakov has to do, A, to escape the wrath of his brother Esav, and B, even for the valid reason of acquiring a bride and establishing the Jewish home and family, the bedrock of the Jewish nation, still having to leave Eretz Yisrael, the Torah itself gives a krechts, a sigh, by writing its stuma. What do we find? The beginning of the parasha has the incredible dream that Yaakov has by Yifka Bamokom at the place, the place of where the Akedo was, where the future Beis HaMikdash will be, the dream of the ladder implanted on the ground, and its head going up 
to the sky. And angels of God ascending, descending. And the rabbis tell us the very powerful metaphor of this dream is that while all other nations, and especially those that will subjugate Israel, will rise, but ultimately fall, and when they fall, they do not rise again, God says to Yaakov, You, hine onochi imach, I am with you. And Jewish history has proven that our fate is contrary to that of any and all other peoples, that even when Lo'aleinu, we fall, it's only to rise, and most always stronger, more powerful, and more committed. I'd like to focus, however, on the end of the parsha. Yaakov acquires in Parshas Vayetze eleven sons and one daughter. Yaakov at the end of the parasha is literally running away from his father-in-law. He's only afraid that were he to bid his father-in-law goodbye, his father-in-law would have robbed him of all his possessions. Now, the Torah tells us how Yaakov, in chapter 31, Pasuk 6 and 7, Yaakov calls his wives to the field, and before he tells them that the Malach appeared to him in a dream and said, Yaakov, time to go back home, he tells his wives, V'yateno yedatem, you know, that it was with all my might that I served your father. Yet your father has mocked me and changed my wage a hundred times. Meaning, he tried time and time again to cheat and swindle me. But God did not permit him to harm me. And Yaakov himself, when he speaks to Lavan at the end of the parsha in chapter 31, Pasuk 38, what does he say? These 20 years that I've been with you, your animals never miscarried, nor did I eat rams of your flock. That which was mangled and never brought you, I myself would bear the loss. From me you would exact it, whether it was stolen by day was stolen by night. Now the question is, why does the Torah have to tell us this about Yaakov? So first of all, you should know that the Rambam points to Yaakov as being the exemplary employer. Imkvar, askvar. You're in employment with somebody, then, as Yaakov says, Ki kolchi I gave your father not 100%, I gave him 101%. But there's one specific part of the parsha that I'd like to focus on. And that is, when Lavan catches up with Yaakov, and Lavan had not for the fact that God the previous night tells him not to harm Yaakov, Lavan, the father-in-law, as we say annually at the Pesach Seder, 
Lovon Bikesh Lakor Es Hakol. Lovon wanted to do harm to Yaakov. Why did you steal my gods, which Yaakov doesn't know that Rachel takes? Yaakov allows Lovon to rummage through all his possessions, and so he does. And then, listen carefully. The Torah says, Vayichar liyakov vayorev beloved. Chapter 31, verse 36. Meaning, Yaakov became angry, and he took up his grievance with Lavan. And, what does the Torah tell us? Vayan Yaakov, vayomer lelavan. Yaakov finally speaks up and says to Lavan, that you and I can only imagine that now that Yaakov is going to what? Give it to his father-in-law, so give it to him. He should blast him. He should call him all kinds of derogatory names and descriptions, which he more than deserves. And yet, what do we find? The Medrash Tanchuma Yud Gimel of this week's parsha says, unbelievably, take a look, says the Medrash, Kaptenusan Shel Avos, better the anger and assertiveness of the Avos, of the forefathers, me and Venus son, than the humility of the sons. Because how does Yaakov express, quote, his anger at his father-in-law? By simply exonerating himself. By simply saying to Yaakov, says Yaakov to Lavan, Ma pishi, ma chatosi, namely, tell me, what is my sin, and what is my transgression. Amazing! And it's only by pointing out his innocence that he implicates love on. Now, basically, we know from this parasha that Yaakov is a man of strength. By We see this by his single-handedly moving the boulder from atop the well. And what happens? Here, at the end of the parsha, we see his incredible strength of character. How can Yaakov act in such a way? And I believe the answer lies in the way the Chinuch, in Mitzvah 241, explains the challenging, difficult prohibition of Losikom, not to take revenge, which he does in the following way. If one believes and knows that whatever happens to oneself, be it good or bad, is caused and comes directly from Hashem, then, listen carefully, unquestionably, the one who has done harm to you, that person will be punished as they had free will to do good or bad. But that a particular individual was at a specific place, at a specific time, is not by chance. It's all orchestrated from on high. Therefore, one is prohibited to take revenge against someone who acted badly towards them. The Talmud compares it to, like, a dog. When the master hits the dog, the dog bites the stick. It's not the stick. It's the master. And the Chinuch reminds us, that David HaMelech, when Shimi Megera curses him, what do we find? David's response is, 
this was divinely sanctioned. Now, the powerful lesson that Yaakov was teaching is taught to us in the Gemara Chulen, 89a. Rabbi Loos said, the world exists only on account of those who muzzle themselves at a time of provocation and refrain from reacting. Now, I can only tell you, this is good advice and counsel, both theologically and psychologically. If one holds on to anger and maintains the flames of resentment regarding the past, it blemishes their personality by not allowing them to actualize their potential for the present and future. You can't serve God if part of your psyche is unfortunately preoccupied with the negativity of resentment. People who are stuck in the past, which too often is irreversible, they rob themselves of their simchas hachayim, of the ability to appreciate and actualize the divine gift of life. The Gemara in Titus 25b tells us that there was once a terrible drought, and Rebbe Yezer led the tefillah of the special Shmona Esrei of 24 brachos, but he was not answered, it did not rain. And subsequently Rabbi Akiva recited Avinu Makinu and it rained. And the rabbis began murmuring against Rabbi Eliezer, saying and concluding that Rabbi Akiva was greater, as after all his prayers were answered. But a heavenly voice, a baskol, said, Oh no, not because this one is greater than the other, but because this one is Mavir Almidosav. This one is a forgiving person, whereas the other is not. And the commentaries explain that since Rabbi Akiva was a forgiving person, Hashem acted likewise towards him and forgave the sins of the people and blessed them with rain. Now, interestingly, we are to follow this noble behavior for in addition, it's a fulfillment of the 611th mitzvah of the Halachta Bidrachav, emulating Hashem himself. After Moshe breaks the first set of tablets following the sin of the golden calf, Hashem says to Moshe to prepare a second set of tablets to replace the first, Asher Shibarta, that you shattered. Now, the Gemara in Shabbos 87a understands the words to mean Asher Shibarta, that Hashem not only agreeing with Moshe's decision to break the original, but rather complimenting him on the act of breaking. Yasher Kochacha Sheshibarta. Where do we see this in the text? And the Torah to Mima on this puzzle explains this above Gemara. He notes that it's human nature that if one does something bad in anger or acts impetuously, 
then reminding them of their wrongdoing only causes them shame and discomfort. Thus, it would have been suffice for Hashem to instruct Moshe to replace the first tablets. He didn't have to say, Hashem Shibarta. Ah, the fact that Hashem uses it shows that Hashem, God forbid, is not rubbing it into Moshe, but Adarabba, he is complimenting him. We live, as we know, in challenging times. The four widows of the horrific attack on the four Kedoshim in Harnof, Chayu Levin, Bryna Goldberg, Yakova Kupinski, and Bashi Tversky appealed, and I quote, with tears and hearts broken. They turn to the house of Israel to stay united so as to merit compassion and mercy from on high. They specifically asked that we take upon ourselves to increase love and brotherliness between man and his fellow man, between our varied communities and among different sectors of the community. And and I just wish to add and reiterate, in families where unfortunately there are those that don't talk to each other, Read Yaakov's admonition of Lavan and realize not simply how short life is, but how much more Simchas Hachayim could be brought to life. And I just wish to add and reiterate even more specifically that just when you are right, as indeed Yaakov was, let go. Shabbat Shalom to all.